0: Hello everyone, I'm so grateful to not sweep any of my doubts under the rug because there's no progression in sweeping urgency under the rug. So this is um, Bart Ehrman's blog, ehrmanblog.org. Um, this came out November 28, 2014. Um, and uh, he is someone that is an American New Testament scholar focusing on textual criticism of the New Testament, the historical Jesus, and the origins developed of early Christianity. So I'm actually going to be discussing how I feel about the, this expert's views. Because I've had the same doubts myself. Why are the Gospels anonymous? That's the same question I'm asking. In Bart Ehrman's previous post, he says, I have tried to establish the four Gospels circulate anonymously for decades after they were written. I I have problems with that not what he said, but I'm talking about how the Bible was constructed. I have not I've never read a book outside of the Bible that did not have the descriptions of the authors already written. When it comes to the Bible, other people are describing the authors in terms of author description, not, not the authors themselves. So books outside the Bible that I have read, you see the picture of the author, you see the summary of the book and a condensed biography of the author in the back, um, you see the citations, And the sources of, okay, you know, where they get their information from? Um, If they reference anyone in terms of quotes, you can clearly see it in the books. In the front of the page, normally you see a picture of the author and the title of the book. And the authors tell you why they put this book out there to be written and published. So, a book of a canonical literature, I should say, or you can call it ancient anthology about God, supposedly... There there should be no such thing as anonymity when it comes to authorship because you're writing about the most important historical phenomenon. According to scholars, his name is Jesus. So why be secretive? Why not just... Be honest with us about what you really know, who you really are. And it's strange that for the Bible, there's authorship ambiguity. There should be no such thing. (sighs) Then it says, to some modern readers, that seems surprising. It is for me. Why wouldn't the authors name themselves? It reeks of a political agenda, a racial agenda, environmental agenda, a social agenda, a cultural agenda, an economic agenda. All these agendas designed to have dictatorship over humans. So in other words, the agenda is actually dictatorships. They want racial dictatorship, political dictatorship, economic dictatorship, social dictatorship. Um, cultural dictatorship, and, you know, environmental dictatorship. Because if they didn't, they should have told us, okay, who who are you and why are you writing this book? Well, how come translators have to tell us the missions of your book? Why don't you mention the, the missions of your own book. You're the author, not the translators. I'm sorry, mistranslators. <sighs> then it says, surely they named themselves, didn't they? The clear answer is no. They did not. But why? Yeah, that's problematic for me. I it, I have a difficult... It's like, I it's hard, I can't fully trust a book that doesn't... Even give us the basic uh, literary courtesy of telling us the lives of the authors and how it relates to what they're writing about regarding Jesus. (laughs) There have been a number of theories put forth over the years. Why do we got to have speculative theories when it comes to the Bible? They, they're, they're saying that God is all-knowing. So why not give us the fundamentals of knowledge instead of, well, it could have been this person. It could have been that person that wrote it or the other person that wrote it. No, when you write a book, it is okay To understand that thousands of years later, people are going to have questions. Why not answer our questions in the ancient era? So when we read the book, we barely have any questions because it's like, wow, this is really a book from God because every question we have in our modern era about the Bible is fully answered in all the 66 books. It's like when they say that the Bible fulfills prophecies, I'm like, I'm iffy on that because if you're not even willing to tell us who you are, then I can't fully trust every word that you say. It says, possibly the most popular one, popular theory, at least it's the one I've heard most often, is that the gospel artist thought that, that, was, that what was the most important was a message they wanted to convey about life, teachings, death, deeds, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I'm skeptical of that because I can't, okay, yes, you're writing about something that is of utmost wow causing, but if you tell us who you are, that can. Be a part of the evidence that everything you're saying is factual and of proof. Okay, we need to know who was with Jesus, and give us all the archaeological evidence and recorded in the scriptures. Give us all the biological evidence and recorded in the scriptures, and uh, give us all of the mathematical evidence and record it in the scriptures uh give us all the historical evidence and put it in the scriptures make sure you have historians overwhelmingly contributing to the book the bible and say okay yes this is what he looked like this is what he sounded like yeah these miracles happened I'll tell you what was said about Jesus after the miracles. And, you know, I, I can tell you the names of the synagogue leaders. I can tell you where the synagogues were located, what street they were on, what the synagogues looked like. What was it like to see Jesus preach in front of people in these temples and synagogues too, what these temples look like. Um, and why not tell us, hey... Even though synagogues were said to be for men only, because Jesus was popular with women, the women showed up at synagogues anyway. Why not just say those type of things? Why not say, okay, this is what Peter looked like and sounded like. Give us the basics of Peter' personality. Do that for the other disciples and say, okay, this is, you know, this is what Mary Magdalene had to say. Um, this is what... Joanna had to say. That's what Sa- Sa- Salome Salome had to say. You know, S-A-L-O-M-E. Uh, why not just <laughs> mention with Mary Bethany what she had to say? Come on, a book written completely by men and no women can be a part of the evidence by saying why not wrote why not have them write what they wrote? Historians can write what they wrote, and they all provide evidence to what they're saying and record it in the book. And why not go, okay, let's get Pilate to write. Let's, let's get Pilate's evidence. Let's get Caiaphas's evidence. Let him write down what he thought. And why not do that for King Herod and Herodias? And John the Baptist, like, why not have them record their evidence in the book? Even if they didn't, fav- even if Cai- Caiaphas and King Herod and Pilate were not were unfavorable to Jesus, we need to know what they felt, too, because it gives us the full picture of this is how Jesus impacted people. And why not have Jesus write his own thoughts? Why not have him describe himself for himself? Why is it that the the most important people in the crucifixion narrative are not being heard directly by them? That is strange to me. Because if you understand that evidence is major for humans, we're co- all the evidence should be so overwhelming that it should be of unanimous agreement when it comes to scientists and when it comes to academic scholars like Bart Ehrman, I'm thinking myself, if I, if I know I'm going to write the most impactful book, the most prestigious impartation, according to scholars, that's how they see the Bible, then all, I would have all the evidence. In the Old Testament, New Testament, I would have Jesus in the Old Testament. So it's obvious, okay, he was here before. He just decided to come back again. And I've always found it odd that basic author requirements of today were not around of that day. Now I understand more of the doubts. Because I get the whole, well, I want to talk about Jesus. That does not mean make yourself out to be a liar, though. That's what anonymous gospel writing does. Tell the truth. We need to know, okay, what did Jesus' mom feel? Mary. What was her thoughts? In terms of all the people that Jesus did miracles to... Why not create, like, at least a sequels of books? Okay, I can't put it all in the in, in everything Jesus did and said and everything about him in the first book. Why not do what J.K. Rowling did and do, like, a Bible sequel? Instead of putting it all in one book, just say, hey, we got sequels. Sequels and sequels. Or why not condense it in a way where, if you want to put it in a book, We have all the evidence necessary to confirm every miracle, every life after death, every supernaturalism, every transcendental entity, the Christ figure of the Bible, and the deity of the Bible. That's my thing. And also, what I don't understand is that... How come Jesus' father Joseph didn't get to write what he felt? And how come Jesus' parents weren't able to put their evidence in the Bible? And it's the biggest thing for me. Every miracle that's said to have happened in the Bible, why not have all the crowds of people who shared what they saw and what it was like for them and put all their evidence in the Bible, right? And why not have it where... Even though Jesus has been long gone, why not say, hey, supernaturally, I'm going to make sure that all the witnesses to me, my teachings, my parables, and my miracles, they leave down their age, their names, their height and weight description, their personality type, and how my miracles made them feel, how my parables made them feel, how my teachings made them feel. What was it like to interact with me at the marketplaces? What was it like for for women to find Jesus attractive? They did. He had women disciples, and they still find him attractive. He still has women disciples. So why not talk about those things? What was it like for Jesus to talk to women in public, in front of other women, in front of other, in front of, Men, you know, well, you know, why not the woman who was said to be caught in adultery? Um, why not have her story written? Why? How come there's more unnamed women than unnamed men? I find that to be profoundly misogynistic and dis- and extremely sexist to me. Then it says. Then Bart says, the authors did not want their own persons to quote unquote get in the way of the message and so they wrote their Gospels anonymously. I'm disputing that because you can mention who you are and focus on Jesus at the same time. It doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. Ugh. In rough outline, I suppose that might be true, but I would refine the idea a bit myself as I will in a moment. Before doing so, I should respond to an objection to this view. Most of the other books in the New Testament identify their authors, Paul, Peter, James, Shute, etc. Okay. Um, There were some books that were said to have been written by Paul, but turns out um, they weren't exactly written by Paul, that it could have been associates of Paul or people who... um, wanted to make themselves relatable to Paul, so not every book said to be about Paul um, is actually written by Paul. Um, In fact, let me clarify more of what I'm saying. For example, there are two examples of pseudonymous letters written in Paul's name, apart from the New Testament epistles. The epistles of the Laodiceans and Third Corinthians. The Epistle to the Hebrews is actually anonymous, but has been traditionally attributed to Paul. The Church Father Origen of Alexandria rejected the Pauline authorship of Hebrews, instead asserting that. Although the ideas expressed in the letters were genuinely Pauline, the letter itself had actually been written by someone else. Most modern scholars generally agree that Hebrews was not written by the Apostle Paul. Various other possible authorships have been suggested. So, authentic Pauline epistles are undisputed, which are the first epistle to the Thessalonians, epistle to the epistle to the Galatians. Uh, first epistle to the Corinthians, second epistle to the Corinthians, epistle, epistle to the Philippians, epistle to Philemon, epistle to the Romans. Then you have two Turo Pauline epistles which may be authentic uh, according to scholars, which are um, epistle to the Ephesians, epistle to the Colossians, and second epistle to the Thessalonians. Then the pastoral epistles, probably not authentic, which are disputed by uh, the scholars, are first epistle to Timothy, second epistle to Timothy, and epistle to Titus. Anonymous sermon, not Pauline, which is definitely disputed by the scholars, is epistle to the Hebrews. So you do have pseudonymism in the Bible. Then it says the Pauline epistles are the 13 books in the New Testament traditionally attributed to Paul the Apostle. There is nearly universal consensus in modern New Testament scholarship on a core group of authentic Pauline epistles whose authorship is rarely contested. Romans chapter, uh, Romans, the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Philippians, 1st Thessalonians, and Philemon. Several additional letters bearing Paul's name are disputed among scholars, namely Ephesians, Colossians, Second Thessalonians, Second Timothy, and Titus. I I just feel like honestly, that the Bible was poorly manufactured. It was horribly assembled. None of these issues should be happening into a book that's said to be divine. Several additional letters bearing Paul's name are disputed among scholars namely Ephesians, Colossians, 2 Thessalonians, Second Timothy, and Titus. I say again, scholarly opinion is sharply divided on whether or not Colossians and 2 Thessalonians are genuine letters of Paul. The many four contested epistles of Ephesians, as well as the three known as the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, have been labeled pseudepigraphical works by most most critical scholars. Some scholars have proposed that Paul may have used an amen new amen nuances or secretary in writing the disputed letters although such a solution would not explain the fact that disputed letters appear to be written at least a decade after Paul's death. Okay. um, That's what the Bible Well, sometimes I read and I think to myself the Bible was poorly edited and Poorly written. And what's up with the... Making it look like there's biblical... Plagiarism. You know? Because when you have unknown authorship... You make it... There's this whole... Well... Plagiarism can actually be a possibility for the Bible. I'm borrowing, but I'm actually stealing. I'm going to pretend to be Paul, but I'm not him. Huh? It says The authorship of the Petrine epistles First and second Peter is an important question Of biblical criticism parallel to that of the authorship Of the Pauline epistles since scholars Have long sought to determine Who are the exact authors of the New Testament letters Most scholars today conclude that Saint Peter was not the author Of the two epistles that are attributed to him That they were written by two different authors See again It's worse because this was said to be Jesus' most In your face Disciple So I would say The book publishers Of our day Would be frustrated With the fact that God is having Publishing problems Writing problems Editing problems Uh translation problems transliteration <laughs> problems uh, Bible version problems I mean come on Jesus I mean Jesus is said to be for the blind as they're called in the Bible but you didn't think to make Braille Bibles back then <laughs> Whew! And then it gets even odder. It gets even worse, like I say again, because then there's Mosaic authorship, which is the Judeo-Christian tradition at the Torah. The first five books of the Hebrew Bible slash Old Testament were dictated by God to Moses. The tradition probably began with the legalistic code of the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy codes, and was then gradually extended until Moses as the central character came to be regarded not just as the mediator of law, but as author of both laws and narrative. Every time they say tradition, I think to myself, it's about to be Shredded. What's the point of I'm trading it down only for it to be annihilated? Mm, mm, mm. You guessed it. The books of the B- Torah do not name any authors. Authorship was not considered important by the side that produced them. Which I think is just. massively illogical. Because that causes con artistry to be valuable to them. And then, it was only after Jews came into intense contact with author-centric Hellenistic culture in the late second temple period, that the rabbis began to find authors for their scriptures. Wait, wait, wait a minute. These are books said to be about God and the all-knowing God has to go find. Wait a minute, but doesn't all-knowing God should just have them already said. No one is lost if the all-seeing God visualizes you. Okay, none of this makes sense. (laughs) There's so much about religion that is unnecessarily contradictory. It says, By the first century CE, it was already common practice to refer to the five as the Law of Moses, But the first unequivocal expression of the idea that this meant authorship appears in the Babylonian Talmud, an encyclopedia of Jewish tradition and scholarship composed between 200-500 CE. So, as the years went on, oh, this was, we'll just assume it's Moses again. Why subject yourselves to scam artistry? Shouldn't God be, be of the prevention of that? Then, there the rabbis notice and address such issues as how Moses had received the divine revelation. How it was curated and transmitted to later generations. And how difficult passages such as the last verses of Deuteronomy which describe his death are to be explained. Wait a minute. What is up with all these transmitting issues? This is supposed to be God's perfect anthology, but it's not appearing that way. And difficult passages, shouldn't they be uncomprehensible or understandable to the human mind? So we can just focus on what's important instead of let's have pastors and theologians and seminarians debate each other about some about the Bible, and there should be no debate in it. It should be that well explained that perfectly detailed, but again it's it's not appearing that in those ways. Ugh. And why do we need um, religious leaders to tell us what God says? Why can't we just have God tell us what God says? Why do we need pulpits to do that? Why do we need seminaries to do that? Why do we need uh those with doctorates in theology and massive divinity to do that why do we need humans to do what God can clearly do all on God's own (sighs) religion and senselessness for some reason just love being in bed together then it says it's culminated in the eighth of Mammonites' 13 Principles of Faith Establishing Belief in Mosaic Authorship as an Article of Jewish Belief but again this is an all-knowing God there should be no beliefs when it comes to an all-knowing God there should be knowledges plural for an all-knowing God it would, you know they don't say all beliefs to an all believing God it should be all knowledge to an all knowing God Mm. then it says mosaic authorship of the Torah was unquestioned by both Jews and Christians until the European enlightenment when the systematic study of the five books led the majority of scholars to conclude that they are the product of multiple authors throughout many centuries so the scholars were able to figure it out But the ancient illiterate citizens were not able to. And apparently God allowed them to be illiterate. But there's no recorded miracle of literacy in the canonical scriptures and the non-canonical scriptures. The word nonsensical just pops in my head. Then it says, despite this, the role of Moses is an article of faith in traditional Jewish circles. And for some Christian evangelical authors, it remains crucial to their understanding of the unity and authority of the Bible. Well, a lot, a lot of the writings of the Bible display poor attempts for unity and authority of the Bible. Let's get back to Bart Ehrman. And most of the lat- later Gospels have names attached to them. The Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of Nicodemus, etc. These authors are not afraid of having that person get in the way of the message, so why were the Gospel writers? Um, this is just, again, um, why? But if it's but if the word gospel is attached to Jesus, and the authors shouldn't have their own gospel. They should just, just say the book of. Don't say the gospel of. Because then people think Peter's God. Thomas is God. Philip is God. Nicodemus is God. Moses is God. When you put gospel, it makes people worship the biblical authors. It does not make people <laughs> glorify... Yahweh. So this is a that stimulates bibliolatry. Bible worship make the Bible God over God. So I think it's blasphemy to say the gospel of, but you're not the you're not the centrality of the gospel and it's supposedly Jesus. Mm mm. mm. Yes, it is possible to make the Bible writers God. Lots of people call themselves Christians do that every day without ceasing. Then it says, So why were the gospel writers? Several points need to be made on this score. Um Let's get to it. The writings of the New Testament that in which the authors quote-unquote do identify themselves are genres in which this is typically done letters. Example of Paul, of Peter, and Apocalypse of John. I'll be arguing below that the gospel writers saw themselves as writing in a genre that did not require a self-identification of an author. See, here's the thing. Modern people, we... Are into blunt honesty and visualized actualities. So when you don't identify yourself, who knows? You, what if a detractor of Jesus made it look like he was for Jesus? What if a hater of Jesus made it look like she was for Jesus? What if a (laughs) naysayer of Jesus um, was basically saying, let me write things to lie to people and have them convinced that, see, this is all true. Because that's why a lot of scholars say that that, that there are forgeries attached to the Bible. Because, what if people who wanted to um, instill Christian nationalism said, okay, let's hide, this is the best way to hijack Christianity in the church. Let's not tell people who we really are so we can um, destroy the church and Christianity by simply making it look like we're for them. In actuality, we're going to tell lies we're going to deceive them and this is our bullshit artistry and we're going to do what we can to control Jesus and the religion said to be in his name and the house of worship attributed to him which is the church i don't i don't see ancient people not doing that i mean it's it's people who are empire minded will go okay i'm going to make the church my empire, not Jesus's empire. So I'm going to be private needlessly about who I am as a writer. <laughs> Come on now. That and of the in that in that helps me understand more of why there's so much plundering and stealing and raping of women and and thievery of economies by the Roman Empire, because I think that they hijacked the Bible by saying, shh, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to dupe people who can't read, who can't write, who have no critical thinking skills, and they lack discernment. That's what it looks like when you're anonymous. Then it says, number two, then why did later writers of later gospels identify their authors falsely as it turns out? The answer is fairly clear, straightforward. Later gospel writers were very intent indeed on showing that their message as opposed to the message of other gospels was the right true apostolic message to be believed as authoritative. See what I mean? So now you got gospel writers having literary feuding with each other. No, I'm the closest to Jesus. Well, I'm the closest to Jesus. Well, Jesus favored me the most. No, Jesus favored me the most. And um, my gospel is infallible. Your gospel is fallible. Oh, yeah. Well, my gospel is infallible. Yours is fallible. Well, oh, so you're saying that my book is an error? Yeah, I'm saying your book is an error. Iner- You're saying my book is errant? Yeah, I'm saying your book is errant. Well, your book is errant. I, how about that? Mine is inerrant. No, mine isn't errant. It's. Whew. To provide an authoritative account for their own book in light of the fact that there were other books with other messages floating around, the later authors produced forgeries claiming to be an apostle, Peter, James, Thomas, Philip, et etc., when in fact they were not. That wasn't a problem with the earlier Gospels. When Mark wrote his Gospel, he felt no need to establish that his book, as opposed to Uxford, was apostolic. There were no others. So, too, Matthew and Luke, they were continuing a Gospel tradition, started with Mark, that was widely seen in their circles as authoritative, and so did not need to authorize their message by pretending to be apostles, when they were not. In John's case, the text is authorized. The author claims to be basing his account on the traditions passed on by the disciple Jesus loved, the author's own identity doesn't matter, only that of his source does. But I, I, look, I think the author's identity matters. We're talking about Jesus here. It's not like we're talking about some person on the street. This is Jesus, so everything you write about Jesus matters, which does today. And, um,. I've noticed that the gospel tended to be written in third person. Instead of saying I or me. It was they, them, uh, you know. And I'm thinking to myself. Just write in first person. <laughs> or if you're going to write in second person. Make sure you have somebody co-authoring the books that you're writing with you. <laughs> and, um, and, and, um, and then it gets worse. It says, I should stress that many New Testament writings outside the gospels that do name the author do so suitably anonymously that is that these are forged writings authors claim to be a famous apostolic person when in fact they were not this is true of six of paul's letters as i already told you but i say it again second thessalonians castle colossians ephesians chapter one and second timothy and titus both of the letters that go under peter's name james and jude see this is what i mean the, this is proof that the Bible is flawed. Come on, you got forgery. Basically, that's biblical racketeering to me. That's biblical money laundering to me. Number four. Four other books long, the Gospels are anonymous. Hebrews later, Church Fathers said it was written by Paul, but the author does not claim so. First, second, third, John, anonymous, but later attributed to John, the son of Zeppi. This is just, this is madness. When humans do things, there's no... way that there won't be any contamination. Which means that there is biblical contamination. I didn't make it that way. They did. So then it says, so now I'm back to the question, why would the gospel writers not identify themselves? Again, I think the popular answer is, is in essence, right? They saw no need to do so, which I strongly disagree with, but also for this new reason. Us modern people are sensitive to fake news. So apparently, the Bible has some fake news to it. Again, they did it, not me. This was, the Bible was already out before my moment of conception. And it says, their point had to do with the message they wanted to deliver, not with their own identity as, as authorities who could deliver it. They was only to establish their authority. Um, I strongly disagree because that's like saying, oh, you got to trust that this burger is good, but I haven't had the burger, but again, it's good. Okay. Did you eat it? No. Then why are you telling me it's good if you haven't tried it yourself? Then it says, their authority lay in what Jesus said and did. Um, no, I disagree. Here's why. <laughs> because they chose to lie on Jesus. Thou shalt not lie. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? Indeed, it is. It was only later when Christians had lots of gospel accounts before them with varieties of perspectives represented that it was important to stress that this, that, or the other gospel was the one that got it right. See, now the Bible writers caused a lot of Christians in self-description to have this addiction to being right, this right addiction. That explains the far right. Mm, So there was biblical fascism, and the forgeries and the pseudonymous authorship and anonymous authorship are forms of biblical fascism. Aha. And it says, and to that, re- readers, editors, and scribes assign names to earlier gospels to show that the person delivering the teaching knew what he was talking about. And later gospel writers made these claims for themselves Maintaining that they were relatives of Jesus' brother, James Or his brother, Thomas, or disciples, Peter, Philip, and so on I truly think that the game of telephone is ancient And the Bible is proof of that I truly believe that People don't have that good of a memory So Oral tradition at some point you're going to have hazy fuzzy memory and memory blanks plus i'm pretty sure alzheimer's and dementia existed back then they just didn't know the names of it until us modern people today but there's going to be memory lapses and it shows in the canonical non-canonical scriptures I don't understand if I'm going to write, if I'm going to have humans write books about me, then it's better if I write it myself, because it'll be perfect if I do it because I'm God. But if I have humans do it, they're going to fuck it up. (laughs) Then it says... But I think there may be one other thing going on with the New Testament gospel that led their authors to write their accounts anonymously. I've never seen this suggested in the scholarly literature before, which either means I came up with it myself, in which case, caveat lector, or I haven't read enough scholarly literature. It is this. I think when Mark was writing his gospel, he was imagining that he was continuing the story that he inherited from the Hebrew Bible. As you know, the final prophet of the Hebrew Bible, Malachi, inspired by. Promising that Elijah would be coming before the day of the Lord. And how does Mark begin? By describing the coming of John the Baptist and the guise of Elijah. Mark is a continuation of the narrative of the Hebrew Bible. But Mark didn't fully understand apparently that words attributed to him. Was going to cause family divisiveness and cable news network wars that we're seeing today, and that Jesus and the Bible authors have been hijacked by the religious right. So Mark didn't know that. God didn't tell him that beforehand. (sighs) This is all a biblical hot mess. But as you probably know, the Hebrew Bible and the sequence of books given in the original Hebrew does not end with Malachi, the final prophet, the way the English Old Testament does. It ends with 2 Chronicles, a narrative book that describes at the very end the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians and then the promise to rebuild the city by the Persian King Cyrus. There has been sin, and, destruction and the promise of restoration told in a historical narrative. And Mark picks up the story at that point with the coming then of the Savior, Jesus. Again, this is biblical musical chairs that is so detrimental to us modern people today. I think it was detrimental to ancient people then. The historical books of the Hebrew Bible Joshua judges first second Samuel first and second Kings first and 2 chronicles are anonymous they are telling the history of the people of God not based on the authority of the author but as a holy narrative how God worked among God's people uh, the names of the authors are unimportant and relevant in this kind of sacred history I I I strong I strongly oppose that here's why Jesus is a teacher. Said to be a teacher. Why would a teacher not give you intellectual virtues to go? Wait a minute. If it's anonymous, maybe I shouldn't trust it because this could be a biblical Ponzi scheme. (laughs) Because if I trust something that has not been proven, wouldn't that make me a slave? Wouldn't I have it no different than an inmate? And doesn't that reinforce biblical gullibility? Wouldn't that make me a biblical zombie? A scriptural resident evil? Hmm. Then it says, Mark continues to sacred history and like his predecessors, tell his story anonymously. Matthew, Luke, and even John it in their own ways and also as a result tell their sacred history in the person of Jesus anonymously. I don't think it's surprising at all that they did not reveal their names. (sighs) Mm, I, mm -mm. I don't accept. I just don't. If you can't even tell me All your motives for the Bible, terms of books. I don't want anything to do with you. (laughs) And then it says, ooh, this is. The Bible was not written in the language of the participants. The question of the Bible's authenticity hangs to some extent on the background of those who authored it. The problem for the Bible is that it was written most in a language that was different from that spoken by the cast of characters or the local population. This also indicates (laughs) that it was written in locations that were probably quite distant from the scenes of the action. Uh, How do you have all of these biblical language barriers and... How do you have all of these these biblical misinterpretations? Should be should a book about should books about God be easily interpreted? <sighs> so, with all this in mind, the Torah, some of the prophetic books, and many of the wisdom books were probably. Originally composed in Greek, later adapted for Jewish settlements and villages in both the Greek, Pauluses and the Korah, rural areas in Egypt, as well as other diaspora settings where these settlements are not fully, but mostly Hellenized and still communicated in Aramaic. There are perhaps some narratives that were originally composed in Hebrew, such as 1st Maccabees, Esther, although it seems more likely composed originally in Greek. The debate continues. Ecclesiastes, although some debate on this continues, the dating ranges from the 5th to 3rd centuries BCE and some of the prophetic books. Virtually all of the Deutero Deuterocanonical books of the Hebrew Bible were not written in a Semitic language, Semitic language rather in Greek. Additionally, um, the New Testament scholarship had for a long time very long time thought that the original composition of some of the gospels if not all of them was in Aramaic reflecting eyewitnesses I'm sorry I gotta read this again cause this this is just basically a biblical shit show I just gotta say it Ugh. let me get back additionally New Testament scholarship had for a very long time thought that the original composition of some of the gospels if not all of them was an Aramaic-reflecting eyewitness authorship which no longer is assumed. Today it is understood that the Gospels are not the works of eyewitnesses writing on historical events, but also literary creations composed by anonymous authors with very different motivations. The Gospel narratives, like many of the Old Testament literature, were written in Greek. All of Paul's letters and the various pseudonymous epistles and revelations were also written in Greek. And probably most of the Gnostic literature found that Nag Hamadi were also originally composed in Greek and then later copied into Coptic the language we currently have most of them in today although some Greek fragments remain for some of them Wow so the Bible is biblically fragmented or should I say biblically fractured Whew. The language adaptation of the texts reflects the adaptation of the interpretation by the authors of other narratives. It is all relative, represents the times and culture of the day. The Bible would be viewed as being more reliable if it was written predominantly Hebrew and Aramaic. That being not the case, elevates the probability that it contains a lot of non-eyewitness fiction. So... So the Bible does possess some mythological folklore. <sighs> so, Gary Greenberg, a biblical historian, this is what he said. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not write the Gospels, says biblical historian Gary Greenberg in his, latest, in his latest book, Who Wrote the Gospels? Why New Testament scholars challenge church traditions, at least not the Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John of church tradition, he adds. Controversial as this view is, he knows that it's widely accepted among New Testament scholars, yet few members of the lay public know about this modern scholarly since consensus, let alone why scholars hold These views, the early Christian writings, um, it is the near universal position of scholarship that the gospel of Matthew is dependent upon the gospel of Mark. The position is accepted whether one subscribes to the dominant two source hypothesis or instead prefers the farer, golder hypothesis. It is also the consensus position that the evangelist was not the Apostle Matthew. Such an idea is based on the 2nd century statements of Papias and Arrhenius. As quoted by Eusebius in historical Ecclesiastes uh, uh, hist- hist- uh, Eccl. at three point three nine. Papias states, Matthew put together the oracles of the Lord. In the Hebrew language, and each interpreted them as best he could. In Advent, Har ADV 3.1.1, Arrhenius says Matthew also issued a written gospel among the Hebrews in their own dialect while Peter and Paul were preaching at Rome, laying the foundations of the church. You know that Arrhenius had read Papias, and it's most likely that Arrhenius was guided by the statement he found there. The statement of Papias itself was considered to be unfounded because the gospel of Matthew was written in Greek and relied largely upon Mark, not the author's first-hand experience. The Gospels were anonymously written. In fact, most scholars today do not believe that the evangelists were eyewitnesses for the simple reason that their chronology of events and theological interpretations are different. The titles of the Gospels were added in the second century and very well could designate the authority behind the finished Gospel or the one who wrote one of the main sources of the gospel The Roman Catholic Church takes no official stance On their authorship It is important to understand that the church by its authority And the guidance of the Holy Spirit can- canonized these four gospels Over many others That have circulated and read in the early centuries mm, That's the Catholic blog About Catholics um, I disagree when it comes to The guidance of the Holy Spirit part And the church's authority Because notice It's it's the biblical way of selling pipe dreams. It's the biblical way of gassing people up. It's the biblical way of delivering broken promises to people. I don't think uh, the Holy Spirit anything to do with the biblical mind control of the authors. Um, you notice it says the church's authority. But it does not mention Jesus' authority. Jesus is not the church, and the church is not Jesus. So the Roman Catholic Church doesn't doesn't take the scholarly stance on their authorship because that means that they will no longer be an economic powerhouse. And it says, Roman Catholic scholar Raymond Brown, who very much believed in the Bible resurrection of Jesus, that the author of the Greek gospel was John Mark, a presumably Aramaic speaking Jew of Jerusalem who had early become a Christian is hard to reconcile with the impression that it does not seem to be a translation for Aramaic, that it seems to depend on oral traditions, perhaps already shaped sources received in Greek, and that it seems confused about Palestinian geography. An introduction to the New Testament, pages 159 page 60. Raymond Brown says, No gospel identifies its author. The common designations placed for the gospel example, the gospel according to Matthew, stem from the late. 2nd century represent an educated estimate of the authorship by church scholars of that period who were putting together traditions and guesses pertinent to attribution. attribution. To this, a caution must be added. The ancient concept of authorship was often less rigorous than our own, at times amounting to identifying only the authority behind a work, however distant, rather than the author. Among the four, John manifested the most detailed knowledge of Palestine, Jesus did not write an account of his passion, nor did anyone who had been present write an eyewitness account. Available to us are four different accounts written some 30 to 70 years later in the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, all of which were dependent on tradition that had come down from an intervening generation or generations. That intervening pre-Gospel tradition was not preserved even if at times we may be able to detect the broad lines of its content. When we seek to reconstruct it or even more adventurously The actual situation of Jesus Jesus himself, we are speculating. Mm. So I'm going to read more and then I'm going to finish up and tell you what I think, okay? It says... Source, The Death of the Messiah, page 45, Raymond Brown. I have already said that I do not think of the evangelists themselves as eyewitnesses of the Passion, nor do I think the eyewitness memories of Jesus came down to the evangelists without considerable reshaping and development. The Death of the Messiah, page 14, Robert Kaiser, New Testament scholar, writes the following the authorship of the Gospel of John. The supposition that the author was one and at the same with the beloved disciples often advances a means of ensuring that the evangelists did witness Jesus' ministry two other passages are advanced as evidence of the same uh chapter, chapter 19 verse 35 and chapter 21 verse 24 but both falter under close but both falter under close scrutiny chapter 19 verse 35 does not claim that the author was the one who witnessed the scene but only that the scene is related on the sound basis of eyewitness chapter 21 verse 24 is part of the appendix of the gospel and should not be assumed to have come from the same hand as that responsible for the body of the gospel. Neither of these passages therefore persuades many Jo, scholars that the author claims eyewitness count source, the Anchor Bible Dictionary, verse 3, pages 919-920. Nine, nine, Theopedia, there is no direct evidence that this John is the son of Zebedee, and some scholars suggest an alternative John the Elder. However, there is no direct evidence for the existence of this alternate John, it's reasonably to assume that early church writers specify if John the Disciple is different to John of Zebedee, since the latter is so prominent in the synoptic uh gospels. One may accept the internal biblical data and the external evidence is proof that John, son of Zebedee, wrote the gospel. However, one may change one may later change one's opinion, like Raymond E. Brown, author of the anchor Bible commentary, who rescinded his earlier commentary opinion. And now recognize that the external and internal evidence are probably not to be harmonized. Brown, 1979, page 34. Um, wow. Then it says The last statement I'll make, the last thing I'll read is Matthew Ferguson, doctoral candidate in classics. The traditional authors of the canonical gospels Matthew the tax collector, Mark the attendant of Peter, Luke the attendant of Paul, John the son of Zebedee are doubted among the majority of mainstream New Testament scholars. The public is often not familiar, however, with the complex reasons and methodology that scholars use to reach well-supported conclusions about critical issues, such as assessing the author- authorial traditions for ancient texts. It provides a good overview of the majority opinion about the Gospels, and Oxford Annotated en- 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 Bible, a compilation of multiple scholars summarizing dominant scholarly trends for the last 150 years, states pages 17, page 1740. Neither the evangelists nor their first readers engaged in historical analysis. Their aim was to confirm Christian faith. Luke chapter 1 verse 4. John chapter 20 verse 31. Scholars generally agree that the Gospels were written 40 to 60 years after the death of Jesus. Thus, they do not present eyewitness or contemporary accounts of Jesus' life and teachings. So what that lets me know is that Lots of things in the Bible cause arguments and debates. Therefore, God is not 100% behind the Bible. Because if God was, these arguments and debates would never, ever happen.